On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks Prog Stock 2023. Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as we discuss our experiences at Prague Stock 2023. All right, gentlemen, we are one week removed, at the time of recording at least, from Prague Stock 2023. For the first time, more than one of us attended, <laughs> more than Ken attended. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so there was, there was, we weren't all there all the time. You guys were there um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ken, you made the trip up for Thursday, Sarah and I were there for Saturday only. And then can you, uh, pop back around and saw the genetics Dave Kersner performance at the Keswick on Monday as well. Is that correct? Indeed. The only detail you left out is that Paul and I were in the program listed as producers. Oh, well, there you go. So, so yeah, we were all there some of the time. We were all there some of the time and you guys were producers. Did you, Paul, did you ever, actually take advantage of the uh the producer special meet and greet lines or uh i didn't take advantage i don't think either uh, i can't remember i don't think kenny g ever went to the meet and greets he kenny g's like this is unfair to say while he's off camera but um you know kenny g's prog stock experience is like a perpetual meet and greet like kenny g's just meeting and greeting the entire weekend <laughs> Um, whether there's prog celebrities or just fan celebrities or just people in general, but, but no, but we did take advantage of the special producer events that, um, that took place. Um, for instance, the, I want to, I know that the Patrick Mraz, uh, time that we had on Friday afternoon was, was a producer special. I don't know if the mile marker zero listening party was producer only, or I, not, but I believe it was. Yeah. So we, we, we took advantage of those things. And of course the, the beautiful merch bag um, that we got as well. And uh, so we, we took advantage of some of the producer, but not the, not the, uh, I guess, immediate line that goes into the meet and greets versus okay, the, cool. the, you know, wait and see how long it takes line. Yeah. Since we were only there for one day, we did not, uh, you know, we didn't pony up for that. Uh, stuff so I didn't get the beautiful merch bag or anything else, but very cool. Oh, let, let's just segue real quickly. Uh, the Palaver invested in Sharpies with Progressive Palaver on them. Um, I want to say, Joe, you were right. Paul, you were right. Joe, you, you made business cards, which I forgot to bring, and I, I should have. And Paul, you suggested a QR code on the Sharpies. I was convinced that it, the, the, the the printing would just bleed together and it wouldn't be a coherent QR code because that's what the people warned me at the uh, at the company. And you really have to give people valid information, not just a name. 
so, so my technique was subliminal advertising, but I, I think the direct approach that you guys suggested would have been much better. And the wording, Progressive Palaver Podcast, would have been better than Progressive Palaver. Mm, I hadn't even thought of that. But well, you know, that, I guess we all live, live, and we learn, I mean, listen, like, if we were experts at, at promotion, it wouldn't really be the same progressive palaver, would it now? That's so, true. <laughs> funny. So funny, I think, funny. I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, like, I think one of the, the coolest things is, and I can't even remember the name is the dude, one dude we talked to at the merch table slipped us his little printed out form. And said, "Hey, go listen to my my piano version of Roundabout." Um, uh, I, well, the name's coming to me. I think it's Stephen D. No, was his last name De Stefan De Stefano something? De Joseph. So my, De Joseph. That's it. So Stephen De Joseph. So he gave us, and boom! Right on, the, right on the little slip of paper was the QR code, and it was teeny tiny. But I I took it back to the hotel and and zapped it and. But, you know, everyone who got a, a, a merch bag has a progressive palaver Sharpie. And, and, and a I koozie. Think that and, and, uh, and some of them have koozies, too. Um, so I think that, and I think really probably if I've learned anything uh, around the community of Progstock is that, you know, probably the best way that we can help promote ourselves or get our, ourselves in the vein of the prog stock community is just to reply and post in the prog stock family under progressive flavor and and there it is so but but can do outstanding job on the sharpies because every single artist during the meet and greets were using a progressive palaver sharpie and as subtle as that may be, I think that's fucking awesome. I think it's so, awesome too. I really, really enjoy that aspect. <laughs> can, of it. can I tell you where I got that vision? It was Progstock 2019 pre-show. Kenneth Flash, Robert Barry with 3.2, Andrew Collier, Jimmy Keegan, Paul Keller, um, with Randy McStein opening. And uh, I just noticed that the posters for 3.2 had white sections and black sections, and I was amazed. Yeah, artists have been doing this for 20 years or whatnot, but I was amazed that they had a collection of black and silver Sharpies. I was like, wow, that's how the industry works. That is so cool. And that's, that's where I pictured Palaver marketing. And, and uh, it, it, nice. took, it, it took four years to make that. <laughs> well, you know, Ken, nothing about the palaver has ever been, shall I say, timely, but it's all good. <laughs> awesome. As, as, I, as I sit here and try to play catch up on recordings that are almost a year old at this point, but that's okay. It's all good. Um, and, and to be perfectly clear, right, the, the purpose of us going to Progstock was not to promote ourselves. It was, you know, I, it was to enjoy the music, to have the experience. Ken, you've been sharing these experiences with us for years now. And, you know, and, and there was a, for me, certainly there was a, you know, a, a perfect set of circumstances that encouraged me to go up there. And, you know, that would be the, the, the lineup from, from Saturday. Um, but uh, oh, I, I credit you for being a consumer of uh, Stage It. You were uh, for the yeah. last two, three years on off doing the shows uh, remotely. That's correct. 
And I did use Stage It Again this year. Um, I used it for the Thursday night performance. Um, so yeah, there was, I mean, there was just, there was a lot going on and it was so cool to, to actually go there and see it. The, the only thing that sort of left me, I don't know, a little wanting, a little less than satisfied was the fact that I didn't really get the chance to interact with any of, or many of the people that, you know, we've talked to on the show. I, I still have never stood face to face with Kersner. Um, we did get a quick little picture with Fernando, which was very cool. I spent just a, f a handful of minutes with, with Matt Dorsey. Um, I said hi to Tom and Ann briefly, but of course they were, you know, in the midst of doing all the things that, that they do. Um, and I didn't get to meet Durga. I didn't get to meet Randy McStein, um, things like that. So that was kind of like, eh, you know, I wish I would have, but it was, it was very cool to experience all the things that I experienced. And the general vibe in, in the whole place was, was palpably awesome. Yeah. It's, it's very You're hard to do. Brockstock wasn't built in a day. It wasn't consumed in a day. No. Yeah. And, and Saturday almost didn't, I mean, Saturday took a whole day and some just yep. to get through. Um, Saturday was rough. And, and I think that, you know, the, the best time to have, you know, met all those folks that you were talking to in a, in a, in a, in a more meaningful way would have been the, the meet and greet post Saturday night show. But you know, the, the, I think the show ended at 12:45 a.m. So, um, and I I can speak for myself, knowing that that uh, Joe, you dropped us off uh, in the rain in the convertible at um, you know just before 10 a.m. on Saturday. Yep. Um, by the time by the time the uh, Dave Kersner Band All Stars were were done with Dimensionot, it was you know I was toast. I I don't think I could have stood in a line, even in, even the producer line. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. So it was a, it was a fun, the, the, you know, the atmosphere that you said is, is the, the most enjoyable thing about these events, you know, and I, and I mentioned it to a couple of folks coming back home who asked me about it. And, you know, I shared with, you know, it's a special thing being being one of you know one of the progressive rock heads who you constantly feel in isolation over the music that you love because no one really knows it and you know you can go up on the rooftop of the Kennet Flash on a random Saturday night to see a progressive rock show and be there with 50 of your of your brethren um but most of the time you are you are not in a group of people who can relate to the things that you are, are relating to, to be in a, in a weekend festival where, you know, people will look at your shirt and your King's X shirt and you start a 10 minute conversation about their experience, learn, you know, learning about the band and, you know, sharing that, that joy, um, or just randomly talking to people about, you know, and knowing that you have that common ground is such a special thing. And it's, it's such an enjoyable thing. And it's something that we share weekly with each other. It's fun to be in a larger community and, um, and just have that sort of fellowship around music that, you know, we, we, the likes of us don't necessarily get to experience on a regular basis. 
Now, that being, yeah, you, you guys have experienced it a lot, though, because you had that, um, you, you guys have seen a lot of shows together in the last, what, six weeks, give or take, and that started with the the Prague camp, and it culminated, I guess, um, with, with Prague stock. But, so, obviously, you know, I was there for Saturday, um, specifically, because I wanted to see Randy, I wanted to see Matt Dorsey band. I wanted to see um, Kersner, and I wanted to see um, specifically the live performance of Dimension Ot. Uh, what about the? Uh, should we start just quickly? I guess with um, we have to start with Thursday though, because Kersner did sort of a, a warm up set. That was a few Dimension Odd songs, a few Kersner songs. And then I don't actually want to spend a lot of time on that, but following that was the genetics performance. And we had had Dave on the show. He had told us about, you know, genetics and everything else. And quite frankly, I've, I'm so glad I live streamed that, that Thursday night because genetics just blew me away. Um, I don't, I've never seen. The musical box. Uh, yeah, I've never seen a, a Genesis tribute band. I'm not going to, <laughs> you know, I've I've seen Genesis. I've seen Steve Hackett. I've never seen a, a tribute band, and and so I don't know how a musical box is. But I was just completely, you know, stunned by what genetics were able to do, and I thought that was was really really spectacular. I'll. Briefly fast forward to Monday, I was able to see the entire Dave Kersner band set at the Keswick Theater in Glenside, PA, and the entire um, genetics set. Whereas when I drove up uh, for the Thursday, uh, I didn't have a hotel room, so I had to head uh back home in the middle of that genetics set so right. joe while while you were watching i had a bit of a buzzkill leaving during supper's ready yeah that's that that's painful not that only hurts. not only did i you know not have to drive you know two hours home i was also an hour behind you because i was in the central time zone watching comfortably from my couch <laughs> <laughs> so funny so funny so I guess, but but you were robbed of an hour when you came to see us, so you deserved it. Oh, I don't know if I would say I was robbed. I got it back when I came back. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it uh, genetics were were really really exceptional, um, and and so it's interesting, right? You essentially can you saw the Dave Kersner band perform their set three different times. Um, certainly from Thursday to Saturday, I I saw a, a marked. Um, improvement in cohesion i think which is you know it, it it's amazing that bands like you know the matt dorsey band and and the dave kersner band can perform the music they do given the fact that they have like two days together to to figure it out amen brother that's what they do and the, and and the they pros. do it they do it well but my uh, we had um sarah had actually texted matt and and matt's Matt's uh, feedback from Monday night was it was clearly the best set that the Kersner band had performed. It was that your experience, Ken, on on Monday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Dave Kersner and, and crew 
we're we're pro at every level thursday saturday and monday but but monday uh, a lot of pieces came together cool um uh I, I i will say monday there was no randy mcstein and no sally Manier. so uh and no michael sadler so wow. um so uh you lost some of the the the, the glitter that was added with that star caliber uh but but i mean my god you've got uh matt and dave and fernando and durga and derek and they're just killing it i've never been close to i've never seen fernando perform that dude is just he's an entertainer yes yes he's a pro he's a pro um i dave was very smart um he went sequentially through the first half of his singles album on thursday and he ventured into some other stuff at the end of the set uh and then saturday he did some of that but he you know had the whole dimension on thing at the end and then i think they they found the best of both worlds um opening up with the lie uh, I, I i have the set list durga crumpled up the set list into a ball, uh, well, kissed it with her <laughs> lipstick on, crumpled it up, threw it in a ball, and, and threw it around, and I was the one who, who, who salvaged it. Seriously? Uh, fr from the stage. So, so I have... And, and, then, and then I got her to sign that afterwards with a Sharpie. So there you go. Um, that's, that's, and, and of course, I didn't bring it to the Zoom meeting for Palaver like an idiot. But uh, <laughs> you're just going to have to take my word for it. That that's, that, that's, you know, of all the, the posters and the coffee mug and the bling and everything, that's, 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 that's my prize takeaway. That is awesome, Kenny G. <laughs> so anyway, uh, set list uh, was the best of the bunch on Monday. They just kind of, you know picked what was really working for them and, and threw it in there. I will say that uh, Matt Dorsey is just a friggin' trooper because he had to do the Sally Manier part in Beyond Illumination. Did he really? In, in falsetto, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, w w what, a, what, a tr what a trooper. Th 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 that was often uh, Lorelei McBroom, but she wasn't available for this one. So I guess, I guess Durga doesn't touch that one. It's her sister's part, but Matt was all over it. In addition, in addition to the, the regular, typical male vocals that he's killing. On sure. Yeah. Sweet. That is, that's absolutely amazing. All right. So obviously, you know, the only experience that I have is, is the Saturday shows, which I have a fair amount of, of memories that I would love to relay, but maybe um, you guys want to maybe go through Friday and Sunday first, and then we can go back and cover, uh, cover Saturday. Uh, Paul, why don't, why don't you go for it? Paul, why don't you cover uh, kind of our experience Friday? So my recollection of Friday is um you know we we got we arrived you know we we sort of walked into the area where Prague stock you know is the, around the um the, the is it the Williams Center is that what is that what we're calling it yeah. I believe yes. so the Williams Center and which is this nice little square uh, by the venue and the first thing I hear is 
um, and you know, I'm, I'm terrible with names even after the fact. Um, the the dude that we met who lives out in, um, I believe he lives out in New Mexico, uh, a couple hours from El Paso, and uh, you know he flew all the way in, and he was literally standing five feet away from a group of people screaming at them as to how amazing genetics was and how his mind was blown the night before. And I just sort of chuckled to myself thinking, okay, I'm going to, this is going to be a fantastic weekend. But, you know, we, we arrived Monday and uh, we walked in to get our stuff and, and uh, quickly kicked us out, said the doors weren't open yet. They weren't ready for us. And <laughs> <laughs> he looked right at me and Ken and said, you guys have three minutes to get out of here. And so I ran to the bathroom and then went back outside. Um, but we, as producers, ended up going into the Patrick Mraz uh, sort of meet and greet sort of, uh, I guess it was sort of like a panel event. And and um, I, I, I'm sure there was, a, there was a, an intended subject matter, whether it was Patrick's live DVD, whether it was the equipment that he was using, whether it was... I don't know what it was because at the end of it, it was just, you know, a collective stream of consciousness between Patrick Mraz, uh, the audience member, and the the two other panelists. Oh, Larry Fast, uh, Peter Gabriel's uh, original keyboardist, and yeah. uh, Michelle Kusamug of the Moog Foundation. And I don't even know what we were supposed to be talking about, but we were just talking about Patrick Mraz keyboards. It was perfect. It was just like a bunch of music fans and gearheads getting together to just talk about, you know, whatever was on their mind. And Patrick Mraz played a couple clips from this DVD, I guess, or VHS. Stunning, whatever. yeah. And it was, it was one was, you know, from the, I think it was from, I want to say it was from Swiss television where he did a couple of improvisational compositions and, you know, just used all of the keyboards. And it was... It was delightful. It was such a great way to start, you know, the the experience because it was just exactly what you know progressive rock is like, and and what prog stock is. It's just you know fans and musicians alike, you know, sitting around just you know loving on gear and progressive music and artistry. It was fantastic. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. That that Swiss television performance was just fantastic. With with Patrick, you know, in his heyday. I mean, like he ever lost any skills, he didn't. But um, uh, he 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 just had all the right analog gear of the day, massive amounts of gear, and it was uh, pre MIDI kind of sequencing, like like arpeggiators and whatnot, and in analog synth percussion it sounded freaking amazing yeah anyway Pat uh patrick Mraz is such a treasure yeah yeah it was it was the unbelievable experience with with patrick Mraz. so um then God, we... that's a great tour name the unbelievable yeah. experience <laughs> oh yeah 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 and and for me i mean i'll just say this you know a little bit of my progressive rock naivete right like i mean in all of my experiences with patrick Mraz like in person it's always been connected to yes so it was very very cool to just be able to experience patrick Mraz as himself 
not as sort of an appendage of you know his experience with yes and and to me that was that was even better than what i had experienced before didn't he plop down next to you during Kersner's set at one point when he was he doing? Did, he did sat down. I don't know if it was. I think it was. I don't know if it was Kersner's, but yeah, he he sat down uh, next to me during one of the sets to um to get a closer <laughs> view of whatever was was going on. He loves that. He loves if 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 he knows the band and everything. Not, he may not be there for absolutely every single show, but but for the for, for, for he the bands that he could catch, he he will just rove around the theater and just just be himself. He's fantastic. Yeah, I think. He didn't stay there very long. I think he realized the sound wasn't as good where we were compared to. <laughs> Funny. No, the sound was good in row F. All right, so we check into the hotel. We're we're all rushing around, and 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 frankly, the Prague stock um, scheduling is that there really is no time to do everything. So pick your battles, do it right, and just make it happen. Um, so five o'clock at Astra, fantastic, followed by the Travis Larson band. So Paul, a lot of instrumental music hitting us on the uh, the fusion esque uh, first day of the show. Yeah, sound the sound challenges, right? The the poor guys who are who are saddled with the idea that you know they have to mix and and present all of these progressive rock bands who don't have normal gear sets, right? It's, right. They're not they're not you know it's. Every band is a, is a symphony of of instruments and songs, <laughs> um, and and you know for me I think that Ad Astra really being the first group on stage, at least from my vantage point, was probably the most difficult to hear. You know, it's always hard in a live setting if you don't know the music, right? To to be able to grapple grapple on, but. Um, the, uh, you know, Ad Astro was the perfect beginning for me because they were just so energetic and, uh, the guitar player who, um, I, I can't remember his name because I don't have any of my notes in front of me. Um, but you know, Ken, you know who he is. Joe Narduli, Ad Astro, just fantastic King's X influence, maybe a little yeah. bit of Satriani influence. Yeah. Yeah. I met Joe. He was so much fun to watch and to listen to and. And, um, and, you know, him, he alone, you know, made me go by the, by the CD after the show because, um, you know, I, I couldn't hear, I'm, you know, I couldn't hear it great, but what I did hear and maybe want to hear more. Paul now shifts to talking about the Travis Larson band. Dixie drags with a little bit more trucker, uh, trucker influence. Funny. Um, and I thought that that was uh, perfect because you know, from a progressive rock standpoint, it was a little bit more, um, it was a little bit more, um, you know, I'll say classic rock sounding, um, yep. more, more of that, but the inner intertwining of, of, uh, odd time signatures and complex, you know, you know, instrumentals, it was just, it was, it was just a treat. And the one thing that I thought that they did really effectively, and, I, and it was very subtle at first, is they were playing to music tracks. Um, for a lot of their performance. So, you know, and it was very subtle. Like you'd see they'd be ripping off these great riffs. And then, you know, Travis Larson would go to solo and he'd be like, and I, I was looking, I was like trying to figure out who was triggering the additional instruments. Like, was it, was it, you know, the drummer hitting, you know, uh, pads or whatever. But I realized that, nope, they were, they were playing to some tracks. So there was some 
multiple guitar lines that were going through um, the PA. And I thought that the way they did it was very subtle, but very effective. And it definitely was additive to the performance. It didn't take away. Um, and um, yeah, I, w I was, I was kind of blown away with the facts, you know, with, you know, you know, Travis Larson's like, yeah, you know, we've been doing this for like 20 years, right? We've got like six, seven, like, I don't even know. I mean, I went to buy an album and I, I couldn't even figure out which album to buy because <laughs> there was just so many CDs available. And I'm mm -hmm. like, how, how have I missed this all these years? Um, so my, my experience, you know, with, with those, those two groups was like, how, how have I missed Ad Astra and the Travis Larson band um, after all this? And I'm happy to say that, you know, now I'm a fan and I have some of their music and I'm digging it. Awesome. Okay. So um, I can't even remember what we did for food. Uh, <laughs> but um, 9, 9 p.m., the Mahavishnu Project. Uh, and we were there for a, a good half of the performance. Um, so, um, Joe, you came into town, you let us know you were there, uh, kind of broke my heart to leave, but we, we, we had to get our Joe and Sarah time. <laughs> you didn't have <laughs> but, to leave for us, but I, I just want to credit them for their authenticity. Um, they, they, they were doing, uh, a Mahavishnu orchestra album from end to end which is just insane it's not an album in my vocabulary but just dedication blew me away and the guitarist was just amazing the drummer was amazing i mean the the keyboard player was amazing the bass player was amazing it was it was a great quartet just gonna keep it real um i agree with everything ken said that the artistry and musicianship next level um and i and i guess the drummer is somewhat associated with the original Mahavishnu orchestra? Yeah, I, I, I saw where somewhere in New Jersey or New York, he's uh, actually a music yeah. educator. I mean, he, right. he's... Uh, That's cool. I don't get it. Like, to me, <laughs> to me, it was, um, uh, you know, like, I was, hap I was happy to leave. Mahavishnu orchestra has its place in the world and, and love it, but I didn't get that particular idea of of headlining with what I'm going to just say is a tribute band. You can cut this part out if you want, but, um, I, I, you know, awesome, but headlining Saturday, I don't, I don't get that move. I really don't. Okay. Well, well that's, that's, you know, the fusion esque side of Prague, the drummer, Band leader Greg Bendian has worked with Todd Rundgren, Pat Metheny, Nels Klein, Ornette Coleman, and, and John Zorn. Uh, so, so he is a, a damn serious side uh of the uh, genre that, that we don't get to a lot but you know i was thrilled i saw uh chris clark bef right before this set I, um should have known that he would be in the house for that he he's got experience playing with the band geeks and john anderson and obviously brand x and uh you know uh for 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 the uh the fusion heads like like chris this was a seminal moment i'll leave it there that's an interesting point right because even in the short time that I was was there, you know, you kind of you, you keep coming up against this question of, you know, not is this Prague necessarily, but why is this here? But that's really the beauty of Prague, right? Because we've been doing this for for years, 
and we always kind of dance around the what is Prague thing. And, you know, we have our, our jokes about the checklist and everything else, but, but half the beauty of Prague is the fact that it, it does pull in from so many different influences and there are so many sort of gates into the playground that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, far reaching and inclusive genre. So I, I, I'm very pleased by this short little conversation because I do think it is illustrative of a general point. I will say that Robbie Mangano has played the guitar player doing the actual John McLaughlin parts, like the crazy hard parts that people are there to see. Uh, looks like he's played with Sean Lennon and Tom Morello. So he is, he's no slouch. It was, it was nice to, and what do you think about his tone in coming out of that fender? We're going to talk thought, about tone. I, yeah. I mean, like I thought the tone was probably the best of, of the night, but it was also ri- ridiculously loud. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, so one of the problems that I had with the sound all weekend long was that the stage volume was so loud that, I don't even think that the front of house guys realized sometimes that, you know, that what they were hearing was just coming out of the monitors, right? It wasn't, you know, we joke, we kept joking around. Like there were so many times where the keyboards were not coming through the mains. They were coming through the monitors, but it was just so loud on stage that, and so, and there were a couple of times where every time I thought they were trying to turn up something, they just kept turning up the guitar, which normally I'm okay with. Um, but it's it's frustrating when like you know the you see the keyboardist like wailing and all you're hearing is the guitar chinking away on the rhythm and it sounds epic but you're like i want to hear what the keyboardist is doing so yeah okay well yeah yeah um there is just huge post from rob rutz uh i don't know if he he, he's going to be the stage manager title or what his title is but he 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 was kind enough to go on facebook and detail for uh his friends in like seven paragraphs everything they went through and just to summarize they were picking up radio frequencies and, and 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 paul you you hit on that early on and uh there, there, there are a lot of uh, devices sold where you can tone out lines and you can eliminate a lot of uh, noise coming through. But I think it was pervasive. And uh, Progstock, like any festival, is doing at least three splits. They're doing monitors, they're doing archiving for the DVD audio, and they're doing front of house. And they detailed some issues with the splits. So, you know, Which when you, you got had, back, you had suspected in real time, Ken. Well, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, if you've got something that's coming through and you hear it going through the monitors and you don't hear it going through front of house, you know, that's kind of the logical conclusion. So, yeah, um, uh, you know, I, gu- I guess that's, that's part of it. The first night of the first you know, two nights uh, are for unwiring and rewiring. And I think they, they, they did nail it for Saturday, if that's a segue to get to Saturday. Yeah. Do you guys want to go to uh, to Saturday? And I'll, I'll, I'll try to be a little bit brief here. But, like, I mean, obviously, I was there for Saturday. Saturday was the thing. For, you know, when we've – and I'm sure listeners are tired of me gushing – um, and, and they're over my man crush on Matt Dorsey. But after, you know, I met Matt, I, I became invested in Matt. 
And I really, you know, I was excited to see Matt. And I was excited by Matt's band. Um, you know, Andrew Collier, 3.2 in the tubes. All right, I'm in. Freaking Randy McStein. Like, I'm I'm literally at this point um, in, in real time, I'm editing our special concert series edition on Porcupine Tree. And my man crush on Randy McStein is just off the charts as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, Kersner announces that they're going to do all of Dimension Not. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And and so, you know, I was I was completely I was completely in on on all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it it just the the day while there, you know, there were some some time delays that that had it ending much later than I would have wanted the overall experience was exactly what I would have wanted to have. And, and I say this almost in an offhanded way, but that's just because of my over-enthusiasm for the other parts. But in the middle of all of this is is Rachel Flowers as well. Plus, I got to spend a little bit of time, you know, with down in the basement with Roby One and it, everything we saw. But Randy came out. Randy was exceptionally, um, you know, intense on his own, very, very you know, just his his talent just oozes, right? And, and the way the guy sings, Matt Dorsey's band was killer. I had a chance to to visit a little bit with Matt, and I met his brother Chris before, you know, early on that that Saturday. Chris is is as nice a guy as Matt is. Was really really excited to uh, to meet him, and quite frankly, I thought he was a killer killer drummer. I thought he did really really well. Um, bringing you know Matt's stuff to life. Um, Randy playing playing bass. He seemed to really really enjoy himself. And Andrew Collier, like we have to give Andrew Collier, you know, some props on air. Again, having just recently um, edited the episode where you guys saw Yes and Lidditz, and Paul, you spent you know some small amount of time discussing the peculiarities of Jeff Downs's rig where, you know, a third of the time he's got his back straight onto the audience. And Andrew Collier not only has his, his solo keyboard sort of facing the audience, it's literally perpendicular to the audience. So you see what notes he's playing, what notes he's playing. And, and I don't even know what the hell that thing was, right? Cause it, it seemed to be one of these sort of continuous surface things because he would be sort of fiddling around essentially above the keys, you know, bending and shit. And I, whatever it was, it was cool. The way he had it configured so that we could see when he soloed was exceptionally helpful. And, and Andrew Collier kicks ass. Yes. Yeah. And, and he sang the low vocals in Matt's material, which was so key to that glue. It really was. Yeah. The, the, and thanks for bringing that up, Ken, the, the vocal blending of, of Matt, Randy and, and Andrew was exceptional. Like it was, it was a highlight. I would refer to that as the fretless keyboard. Um, yeah, the, the, um, yeah. So, you know, we've already talked so much about Saturday, so I'll, I'll keep my comments short. I'll say that um, Saturday was everything that I had hoped it would be. 
I will say that I, of all of the sound that of, you know, all of the sound, I'll call them sound issues, all of the sound challenges, I guess, uh, seemed to culminate during Matt Dorsey's set, which was, which was kind of a bummer. But also, um, you know, hats off to Matt Dorsey for just sticking with it and, um, and delivering just a fantastic performance. Um, and, and then I, the two other things I'll say is the Mile Marker Zero listening party was off the charts. They had a night, we were in a nice small room. We got to listen to the whole album. They gave us a QR uh, code to download the lyrics so we could read the lyrics. And, um, you know, their band that I, got acquainted to through this whole stage it and Hogstock stock group and Anne, and i'm excited for their uh, new album like like nothing else and then um and then the one thing i'll say which i think was really um i think worth mentioning is that you know in that we talked about you know bands pulling together themselves you know to perform right they get together they rehearse like two or three times and then they go on stage I think there were moments where you could see the difference between people who perform, you know, as a regular part of their lives versus people who um, perform for these types of events. Right. And I'll just simply say that, you know, you watch Fernando on stage, watch Randy on stage, watch, watch Joe Denizone on stage. And there is a, there is a, there is a certain X factor that they bring to their performance that others don't simply because they, I think they are more seasoned yeah. and it's not a, it's not a criticism against anyone. It's more of, of a recognition of, wow, like these guys are, you know, the alpha dogs, if you will, of, of, you know, performing at, um, at Progstock. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was seemed obvious to me. Um, but it was awesome. One more thing. Okay. Sorry. The highlight for me of Saturday was Fernando and Joe harmonizing in the solo of the lie. Um, that was like talk about that was like three years in the making for me. And I just thought <laughs> it was off the charts. Yeah. Oh, on instruments? Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Not on vocals. I mean, they're both capable of doing that on vocals, but yes, yes, yes. The guitar interaction with the violin. What one of the highlights for me was it was such a, a short little uh, moment was when 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 Matt was finishing up with comfortably numb and out walks Durga mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and she she only sang like a very little bit at at near the end of that song and then she just kind of walked right off and and gave Matt that that wink but it was. Like I, I wonder if if Matt expected her to do that, or if she's just like, oh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage here. It was, it was. I mean, the whole thing lasted what, maybe thirty seconds. It lasted. It was amazing. Um, it was the third chorus of "Comfortably Numb." Gilmore's always doing that thing, but you've got the high harmonies above them. And and Paul, I've seen you sing those high harmonies. <laughs> Uh, with green eggs and jam. Randy steps back. He's not going to do the high harmony. Uh, and Durga signals, no, you do it. And she did like a third above Randy, which was just piercing and just <laughs> beautiful and just kind of like split my brain. It was beautiful. It was fucking amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and and that wink that you s talked about, Joe? Yeah. 
may have been the the most badass moment of of prog stock um <laughs> you know you know highlighting that you know you know person who's performed their entire life on stage that was just epic yeah it really really was and, and the kersner said i mean i'm going to just focus on the dimension thing because you know we could we could probably talk for five hours on prog stock and i don't really want to i do just want to hit some Beer. things the the dimensionaut experience was it was everything i would have wanted in some cases more the way that they sort of picked their battles in bringing in their special guests was amazing i have to admit i'm not that familiar with michael sadler i didn't yeah, I know Saga. I've heard the tales of of Michael, you know, sort of bouncing around Progstock and and you know being with everybody. Matt, um, I think, told us the story about him. But that dude fucking slayed it. I was yeah. just gobsmacked. And then when Sally Maneer comes out, and just like holy crap, because you know she really brought. We, we've had the, the experiences before, right? Where you have an iconic vocal part and you bring someone else in to to sing that part and maybe they can hit the notes, but it doesn't, like they don't have the same sort of feel to it. I thought Sally did an excellent job of bringing Beyond Illumination to life. It, it, it just totally amazed me. And then when they brought um, Randy in at the end of that set, for Omega Point and Mobius Slip, it was just like I mean, and the way the way that that band played Mobius Slip, and I've I've said it I think in the episode I've said it to you guys. In my mind, Mobius Slip is in a lot of ways almost an addendum to the record. I think the record for me really ends on Omega Point, but that was such a fucking baller performance of, of yes, Mobius. Yes. It was yeah. it was great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got everything that I wanted or needed out of Prague Stock, you know, just in 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 that series of performances. Yeah. One one thing about Michael Sadler, it's like I've debated with myself, like that particular line that he sang. Like I'm not convinced that Simon is singing that full voice, right? Like I I would say he's singing it in a head voice or a mix in the original recording. But like you said, Joe, like Michael Sadler comes out and he's like, okay, I'm going to sing the hardest vocal line on this whole stage tonight. And, uh, and I'm actually going to sing it in the most difficult way that you could, you could do it. And, uh, and I'm going to hate it. Literally just strolls out wearing the same clothes he's been wearing all weekend, this leather <laughs> jacket, his shades. And he comes out and he slays it. And then, like halfway through, he like leans over to, to like Dave Kirsten. was like, "Can you just slide that iPad over a little bit more so I can read it?" <laughs> and then just like, and then after just destroying it, like just slaying it, he just like almost just shrugs his shoulders and walks off stage. Like, right. yeah, that's why I'm here. I'll see you guys later. I'll see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and latest friend of the palaver, Joe Dennison. Uh, boy, I really enjoyed getting to see him perform. You guys saw him with Stratospheres a couple weeks ago. I will not get to see him with Kansas for a month from the time we're recording this, but I am on the edge of my seat now. 
Um, you know, Paul, to your earlier point, he is a, a definite pro. He's got a certain, you know, panache to him. I I just enjoyed watching him perform. And and hats off to, oh, there you go. That so, is oh, wow. sweet. Here's the set list that I saw. Started with The Lie on Monday. Then they went to two of the new songs, I the Storm and Dirty Girl. And then they started Dimension Not, not Coming Down. Oh, and 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 kind of did it sequentially. There's remote view, beyond illumination. They yeah, they did uh, inorganic beings, closer to you, Omega Point, and Mobius Lip. So clearly, yeah. I, I don't know if it was Dave or the crew influencing him, but they were so juiced by doing Dimensionaut that they brought a lot of it to the Keswick, and then they ended within to the into sun. the sun. That's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, but but sticking with uh, the actual prog stock, uh, Saturday was pretty fantastic. Ended very late. We were exhausted. We we were wiped. We were wiped. We were wiped. Uh, but Paul, um, you and I, producers, troopers, um, we were back. Uh, the CD listening party on Sunday was outdoors with uh, Roby Wan. So. Um, I followed those kids. I forget the name of the damn band. They're, they're Funhouse Mirrors. That was and a lot of joy, yeah. There is a lot of joy. They had a video going on. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned to, to, you know, these are the youngest prog rockers that I know of, right? They, they, they can't be, you know, they can't even be. I mean, like, in a, in a world of people who don't need to be carded uh, at the bar, you know, these guys are going to be carded for the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> but, but, but they, they are, they are joyful. They were, they were just so fun to talk to. And, and there I am, I'm like, I'm like, talk to them. I'm like, okay, well, where, where can I get your stuff? Like, what, do you got any CDs? Like, nah, we don't have any CDs. We're all sold out of those. We're working on the new one. Uh, we don't have any shirts. Like we don't, we, you know, here they are at the international prog, prog uh, festival with zero merchandise to, to give or sell to anyone. And it was just, it was so genuine. It was so great. Um, they're like, you know, check us out on Bandcamp or wherever. So, so, um, they, they, you know, I, I would say that, you know, I'm excited to, to learn more about Funhouse mirrors. I don't know what, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, to your point earlier, Joe, it, they're, they're, they are bringing an eclectic, avenue to to progressive rock it it sounded just as much like punk to me in the in the really in the uh, in the in the songs that they were playing um but they're bringing an, an eclectic uh version of prog to the world and it's you know they and they <laughs> they, they sort of expressed the same amount of frustration that we all feel like they're like it's just so cool to be around a bunch of people who like the same music that we do. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, we didn't talk about Aziola Cry. We didn't talk about Aziola Cry. That's my bad. Um, Aziola Cry was like I. I'm sure you guys have mentioned them before, and I know that they've got the uh, the drummer from. The Siberia, the Siberia, Tommy which Murray. we talked about, Tommy Murray. Wow, that was that was really a, that was a pretty intense set. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Jason Blake is doing like a tap 12-string bass or 12-string guitar, as he calls it. It looks like uh, similar to a Chapman stick that Tony Levin might play, and he was doing bass lines simultaneous to melodies. And they've been around apparently for a couple of decades, if not more. Uh, I think they said Tommy was in the band for 14 years. Yeah. And his work with Siberian was stellar, and his approach is stellar. Uh, he seems to play with Lateralis, a, a, a tool tribute on the side, which brings this whole aesthetic to what he does. It's fantastic. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They, they were amazing. And, and I, you know, we're sitting on Jason's side of the stage, right? Like, it was like, dude, like, they would just pull off some of the most intricate music and they would be done. And, and he just would kind of look up at the audience, like, okay, uh, next, next song yeah. is going to be. And I'm like, dude, like, at least smile. Like, you guys just pulled it <laughs> off. That was like ridiculous, right? And then I, then I go to pick up the CD. And he had mentioned the song title, but it didn't really hit me. And I look at the, the song title and it's like um, uh, the, the song is something like Scars Where Wings Once Bore. And I was like, oh, I was like, OK, this may, maybe that's why he's not smiling. Right? You know, <laughs> but uh, it, it is like three just super intense musicians completely invested in what they're doing. I, I think the only the and I picked up you know, one of their CDs and I've been enjoying it a lot so far. I, one of the things like they don't do vocals, right? So it's yeah. sort of like this elaborate, you know, I'm going to compare it to tool. I'm not, I just, so, you know, I don't think it's derivative, but I think it's the same type of tone or um, not tone, same type of feel. What am I looking for? Ambiance maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not, I don't think it's derivative at all. I just think it's that same sort of, um atmosphere but one of the things that i that i occurred to me was while we were watching them is i would love it if if they would collaborate with diana from trope um, <laughs> because you know she has that sort of trope has that sort of similar uh atmosphere and you know with you know and and in no way uh meaning disrespect to trope but the musicality and the and the places that Aziola Cry goes is is so much more depth to it, um, you know, than than what you know than trope. I'll just say so. There's just a lot more depth, and it would be fun to see what a vocalist like Diana Stoutberg would do. Yeah. Um, if she had if she had an eight minute track from as Aziola is it Aziola 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 Cry Palaver Palaver. Um, it's all good. Yeah, and you know, and then the fun part at breakfast on Sunday was the revelation that Aziola Cry, I believe, comes from a Percy Bysh Shelley poem, right? Um, which which hits to the heart of us at the Palaver. Very cool. You know, two two shout outs that I I feel that we really need to make. One, I need to just say congratulations to friend of the Palaver, Dave Kersner, because you know I thought. What he put together was pretty exceptional, and I'm really, really happy for him that it turned out the way he did. It did, and um, obviously, huge hats off to Tom and Ann for all the work that they do um, to put this together. It, it really, it, it was impressive to see it. I've talked to Tom and Ann, 
you know, several times here on the Palaver about this, but to see it in person and to sort of get a feel for the scope of the amount of work and effort that they put in, uh, I'm even more impressed than I ever was before, which was a lot. Um, so, you know, I just want to, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed my, my truncated time at, at Prague Stock 2023. I'm super glad that I had the opportunity to go. And, you know, I just want to, to recognize Tom and Ann for all that they do. Cause it's, it's exceptional. You're mm -hmm. here. Here, here. So the the only other thing that I really wanted to mention um, was as part of Sunday um, was, well, there's, there's really two things that happened on Sunday that were quite unexpected for me. So the first one was um, Sally Manier and David Bainbridge. And so Ken had taken me to the prog camp where David, David Bainbridge was the headliner, right? And the weather didn't agree um, with his time slot at the Prague camp. And it resulted in him getting a very late start and really performing literally under the cover of darkness. And, and I had never seen David perform before. So, you know, he has that fantastic um, English. Um, I don't know if it's English, if it's Scottish or what, what it is, but yeah, straight up UK. It's UK. And, and Stephen Rothery is the same way. Like he looks to the crowd and he nods down very positively and smiles at the audience. And so when I noticed this from Dave Bainbridge in at Prague camp, I, I, it, it, it was lost on me, the joy that he has performing because it was a really bad situation. For him. It was pitch black, right? His gear was wet, the things, you know, and, and, you know, things weren't going, you know, sound wise great for him. And, and so I couldn't tell if he was like, that was him or if he was just trying to edge, you know, making a, the best situation out of the, out of, uh, out of what was happening to him, watching him perform with Sally Minier on the prog stock stage. It was, it was just the joy that he has playing when he looks up while he's playing. And like, it's not like he's holding a note, right. And, and adding some, you know, vibrato as he's looking and smiling, he's like, at some point shredding, right? <laughs> And he's looking up and shredding and nodding to the audience and smiling and, and and there's just so much joy in that performance. And the two of them uh performing one hundred percent blew me away. Like the Iona stuff that they did, um and 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 the and the performances of the two of them together were so was such a it was such a magical duo. And I literally like went ran up to the merch and you know thank goodness that the the you know sven and and the other gentlemen there are so knowledgeable because i was like i bought their i bought their cd dvd combo but then i was like i need to know the iona tracks that were all about those ancient scrolls you know that he was showing pictures of they didn't have any and they were digging through boxes to find them for me and you know i've i think i've gotten the most enjoyment post prog stock listening to the Iona music Sweet. and, um, and like, I just, I just cannot understate the, the, the uplifting, uh, feeling that I got listening to, to David Bainbridge and, and Sally Manier. That's awesome. Yeah. And Sally has two 
floor toms looks like friggin' 18 inches or something. I don't know. They're massive. Plus this looks like a 22-inch kick drum behind her. She's playing with mallets. And she's got some bells in there and a cymbal. Um, and her uh, guitar uh, skills just just very, very solid. Very, very rhythmic. Um, now, you know, when you're, when you're the des- the daughter of the primary songwriter and gentle giant, you might get some influences around the house. I'm not sure how that process flows through the DNA and through the homestead, but it was fucking amazing. And that was all great. And she just killed it. And, you know, if you can imagine that little snippet, she did in beyond illumination with Kersner and just spread that out. I knew what was happening because I had gotten into his uh, Patreon and they have a live at Leeds uh, pun intended um video where they actually were in leeds it's, it looks like a, a house party or a coffee shop and it's just it's just stellar and they just took that to the big stage for Prague stock that's so cool yeah i hope we get the opportunity to connect up with uh with those two again i know we had had um we had had them scheduled to be on the show but we had uh, some scheduling difficulties so I hope we were able to uh, to loop back and and catch up with them. Yeah, yeah, not not not, not Paul. So we stayed for it. We were able to stay for that one more documentary. Go for it. Yeah. So the the other thing that completely um, it it completely blew my mind and probably was the was just the straw on the camel's back of exhaustion because it was such like an emotional revelation was the Paul Whitehead documentary. Oh, so Paul Whitehead. Right. Paul Whitehead was there the whole time displaying prints of all of his famous uh, artwork for album covers. And then he was also doing live artwork during some of the performances. And, you know, he announced he, so he started the documentary before that he, he showed a short film that he created. Um, He wrote the film and worked with a a producer. It was a short film that was just very artistic. And, you know, the, it was a, incredible artistry and it was just a wonderful 10 minutes. Um, but then he talked a little bit about the documentary he talked about, you know, he did this documentary. He, he did about 30 hours of him talking and going through all of this. And, and um, they, they somehow whittled it down to 90 minutes and, you know, he expressed some concern about what it would be, but the, 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 the producer that he worked with assured him it's, it's going to be great. Um, and it starts off as a, documentary like just like you would expect the life and times of paul whitehead this you know who becomes this amazing artist and and well-renowned artist especially within the prog community and you know him living in la and and the way the way his life is and turn but what was what i didn't expect and what was one of the most incredible moments was as you go through the life and times you learn about his persona as a woman and his his um you know i'm 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 still not going to talk about it in the in the appropriate way but really the transgender part of paul whitehead's life and it was such a well done remarkable um journey the way that they the, the way that they showed it and it was such an emotional release at the end of the um at the end of the documentary and Ken, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to completely destroy the whole, what I just said, because I don't think I can remember 
Paul's um, female uh, counterpart's name? Trisha. Tisha? Trisha. Trisha, that's why. Yeah, Trisha. Yeah. So, so Trisha is his, 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 um, you know, female persona. And at the very end, after the documentary is over, we're all like applauding and standing up. And Anne comes up and says, you know, Paul's been a, such a great part of, of Prague stock for all these years. And we hope to have him all this time, you know, this year he, fi we finally convinced him, um, to bring Trisha as well. And he, he reemerged into the, into the room as Trisha dressed up, you know, as he had, you know, gone through the transformation in the, and it was just such a remarkable and emotional thing. Um, and you know, all, all it was just presented so well and, you know, the courage of this individual who, you know, we already know and love so much. Um, it was, it was just, like I said, it was, a, and it was a remarkable, awesome experience and also a very emotional draining. Like I think Ken and I looked at each other at the end and said, okay, we're, we're done. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, but it was, it was so awesome. So I, awesome. Yeah. And it, I, I had seen Durga had posted a picture of herself with Trisha. Um, so I, that was the only inkling I had, you know, of, of anything that you guys, uh, Paul, that you just described, but it, it sounds absolutely amazing. So, Wow, I, I just want to say uh, a couple things. The um, uh, the picture of, uh, of Durga and different women and and, and Trisha is uh, it's it, it's uplifting and fantastic. It's also a little derivative. Every year, there's been a Women of Prague picture. Uh, so I I don't know if you managed to catch any of that in the Prague stock family uh, social media. Um, so. Uh, uh, they they did manage to do that whole thing. I don't know if Trisha slipped in there. It's hard to see faces. There are so many women of Prague this year, which is a beautiful thing that I can't make out all the faces except for the first row. Um, awesome. Now, the only, <laughs> the only thing I saw was a, a picture of Durga and Trisha, just the two of them. Oh, perfect, perfect. So, yeah, yeah. there are other float pictures floating around of um, I, Trisha. I really only live on Instagram, Ken, so. Yeah, 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 there you go. So... And yeah. Well, sorry, Ken. Go ahead. Oh well. Um, the line from Trisha that I wanted to quote is that Paul still is the breadwinner, selling uh, pictures at a higher value uh, per object, but in volume, Trisha is winning the race, selling uh, uh, more art just at a slightly lower uh, markup there. Yeah, and that 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 was that was pretty awesome. Um, and and like the 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 documentary that they're making is they're uh, they said they're they're um, shopping it around at film festivals, trying to get uh, you know picked up on a streaming service or trying to you know just trying to maximize its potential of reach. And um and 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 it's a it, it's going to be phenomenal when it's available to the public. It is it's 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 not just a it's it's not just a uh, documentary and i and i say that purposely not just right a documentary about you know the life of an artist it's not just a documentary that talks about the the challenges and the emotional um, strain of transgender it is it is truly a documentary of one individual's uh, spiritual transformation through life 
um, there's a lot of spiritual um, aspects throughout um, that that is represented in 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 Paul's being, in 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 Trisha's being, and but also through um, their art as well. Cool. And it's just magical. Like I, I really am excited for it to be a, a similar feelings like when um, I had seen. Um, Oh shoot! Uh, hired gun, right? When I saw right. it, and I was like, I can't wait for everyone to be able to see this because of the story that it tells and and what's represented in there. I have I have the same energy around this. Like, I just can't wait for people to experience this because um, it's 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 just amazing. It's really awesome. That's cool. Excellent. Sounds like a uh, a perfect punctuation on the prog stock weekend for you guys indeed and my, my my heart breaks a little bit that we were not there for mystery and unitopia i want want to touch on the significance there i mean i had been listening to mystery for four or five months and just some of the songs some of the melodies and the production we had gone back and forth in our chat i i just love uh mysteries uh albums particularly some of the recent ones and uh unitopia i'd grown really fond of i know that um uh mark mark monforti behind the the the, the scenes of progstock worked a very long time to, to get this band from australia to the u.s and it was probably an emotional release for lots of people and uh we just you know, had Monday responsibilities and were unable to be there. Um, but Chester Thompson uh, just looks phenomenal, you know, in, in these photos. You know, we saw him in the crowd and he's an older dude, um, but he gets behind the kit and he just like looks young again. So he's a, he, he's a, a legend. A yeah, he is. Friggin' legend. In my fever state on. Tuesday or Wednesday, I actually watched um, the 2007 uh, Genesis documentary "When in Rome." So, some some excellent, uh, excellent Chester in there. Well, okay, that uh, that pretty much takes us through. Ken, uh, you know, I, I feel bad that I wasn't able to be there for the the full three days, but even just the the day that I was there, I got a feel for you know the the work that it is to attend Progstock. So um, while I admire all the work that, that Tom and Ann have done over the years, I'm also in greater admiration of the work that you have done on behalf of the Palaver, uh, trying to take in as much as you, you have. I, I think back to the conversations we had after 2019 and I'm just, I'm in awe that you were even able to function at that point. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> the Proxoc community uh, that I experienced in 2019 evolved, survived a pandemic, and has thrived. Uh, I'm, you know, holding on to this uh, uh, program. I don't know if you were there, Joe, when uh, Tom and Ann went through the sponsors, but but almost everyone who comes uh, to it has some kind of contributory voluntary capacity, um, you know, either as a five-year patron, as a producer, 
you know, the actual volunteers for which the, the list is very long. And it only happens through the miracle of um, sponsors like uh, School of Rock. Uh, there's a Toyota dealership. There is uh, Audi Princeton, Volkswagen Princeton. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous how many sponsors uh, they need. And it's heartwarming uh, how many sponsors step up. IK Multimedia was a sponsor, no doubt. Um, that Felician University where they opened up the parking Right. Um, was it was was a, a fantastic resource for them and this little community that they have just even the uh, vendors that were willing to come and set up a food court uh, right in front of the venue that makes the vibe that much more uh, attractive and sustainable and yummy and smelling good I, ju- I just I just freaking love it um, there, there must be you know a hundred of these prog producers, people, team prog stock. This list looks like a uh, hundred people. Um, some of them present at the gig, and some of them, you know, just contributed, uh, you know, remotely. Uh, and just the vendors and how hard you know the folks work there. From the the the, the people that Paul mentioned at the band camp that that had that. Uh, Annie Haslam had her stuff up, her CDs and her, her artwork there. Um, it, the uh, Proxac merch table uh, never had a moment of rest. It really did. Um, right, right, right. So, 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 hats off to to, to that team. Uh, and and uh, you know, there there are just people w- willing just to invest their time in all, all sorts of areas. So uh, I'm in awe at the uh, community at large, and, and I, I appreciate the vibe, and I, I appreciate uh, having just that little bit of contribution that we make to it as a palaver. Excellent. Cool. Uh, can't wait to see what uh, what Tom and Ann come up with for next year and hopefully we'll uh we'll have some more great experiences ken thank you so much for you know sort of bringing this into our lives it's it's uh very enriching and i really uh i had a i had a spectacular time and uh look forward to having more joe you you suggested yes 50 yes 50 had a merch table that was tom brislin's table and tom said I want my friends, um, Tom Palmieri and Ann Rinaldi, to be at my table. And they promoted Proc Stock, and that's how I found out about it, and that's why I went. So I should thank myself? Yes, thank yourself, <laughs> Joe. See? See? The circle of life. It just keeps breathing. That's that's uh, in in uh, in Stephen King parlance, that's Ka. Ka is a wheel, my friend. Okay, Ka, Ka, Ka. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, maybe I'll QC some episodes on this uh, fabulous Saturday, and maybe I'll uh, get back to my Stephen King audiobooks. Sounds fantastic. Uh, thank you guys so much for for coming along. I really it was it was just Prog Stock is great, but doing it with with you and and Paul even better. Um, so I really appreciate you know just you guys being great podcast mates. This is great. Um, yeah, and you know we'll uh, we'll see whatever episode this comes out in front of, and whatever episode that is, we'll see you there. 
Rock on, brother. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or X. We are at ProgPol on all of those or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.